Hey, Jason. Yes, dear. I've got a question for you. What's your favorite podcast? Well, it's Designated Quizzers, of course. That's mine, too. Why don't you tell us about it, Lisa? It's a trivity podcast. That's trivia and comedy, but the questions aren't what you think. Curious? Find out more by listening wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you there. We've got a question for you. Are you tired of clickbait stories and the loudest voices driving discussions in culture and entertainment? If so, I'm Dylan. I'm Kendall. And I'm Corey. And we host the podcast From the Middle. We're middle-class guys living in the middle of America, in the middle chapters of our lives with points of view somewhere in the middle. We take a more reasonable and centrist approach in our discussions covering genres like comedy, culture, entertainment, and interviews with really interesting folks like business owners, comic creators, doctors, news anchors, New York Times best-selling illustrators, professional stand-up comics, and more. We really value a relaxed and conversational podcast, one that we hope is so fun and laid back, you'll forget you're not actually hanging out with us. So search at From the Mid Pod, just like it sounds, or check us out everywhere you can find podcasts. MacGyver, SG-1, Episode 16, Small Worlds, The Past. Ah, there's nothing on, Jack thought to himself. He found it ironic that he had had a backlog of movies and TV shows to catch up on. Yet had no desire to sit and concentrate on anything. He felt out of sorts. Wanted to do something, but it had no idea what. It had been a week since his brother went home, and after a few days alone in the cabin, not being able to do much of anything with a brace on his leg, Jack ended up just going home. Daniel and Till came by to check on him a few days ago. They eventually had to go back to the SGC to follow up on their own side projects now that the team was sidelined. Daniel was like a helicopter mom the way he hovered over Jack, 
reminding him to stay off the leg the way the doctor ordered. Tilk would stand near, but left the colonel alone unless he requested help, which he was not likely to do. More out of pride than anything else. The pain from the bullet wound was easing up a bit, but he still had trouble sleeping at night if he stayed still too long. Carter called when she heard of the attack at the cabin, but was in Washington to check in with the brass on a few projects of her own. Huh. Wonder if she's home yet, he pondered as he shifted in his recliner. He reached for his cell and called her house phone just in case. After a few rings, it went to voicemail. He'd have to leave a message. Hey, Carter. It's just me. Checking to see if you got home yet. Give me a call when you can. I'll just be... doing nothing. He shrugged to himself before pressing end on the phone. Placing the device back on the end table, he stared at it, willing it to give him an idea. He picked it back up to call MacGyver, but put it back down when he remembered that he was busy with the new woman in his life. Cindy, he said her name was. He smiled at the thought of him with someone. Even though they were still getting to know each other, Mac struck him as lonely. One of those exceptional people everyone likes, but wonders why he's still single. Other than Sean's mother, it seemed he didn't have the best track record with romantic relationships. He definitely had a more romantic life than Jack did. Jack got up and slowly made his way to the kitchen. He thought about the few women in his life before he met Sarah. Each relationship taught him something to bring to the next one. When he married Sarah, he was done. He gave his all to her. And had no doubt they were partners forever. And that was until they lost Charlie. He couldn't blame her for leaving. How do you lie next to someone whose carelessness robs you of a life with your only child? Even if she stayed after Jack's crippling depression, how do you move on? Jack only made it through with the help of his team and pushing away the dark thoughts with the reverent humor and sarcasm. He just can't let himself go to that dark place again. He knew he wouldn't survive a second time. It was also a strong reason for him not to look for love again. He felt that he had his one shot. As he looked into his fridge, he grew even more frustrated. A couple of bottles of beer, flavored water, fruit, and some dish of leftovers he didn't remember placing in there. That's never a good sign. Alright, that's it. He closed the refrigerator door and walked to the phone on the far wall and started dialing. 
Daniel Jackson was just returning to his research room at Stargate Command below Cheyenne Mountain. Balancing a gigantic stack of old dusty books for research in his arms, he navigated blindly down the hall towards the sound of his phone ringing. The personnel knew enough to clear the way when they frequently saw the archaeologist coming. The books pressed against his face and pushed his glasses askew up on the bridge of his nose. As he entered the room that was only lit by a couple desk lamps, Daniel practically dropped the books on the table in the center of the room and hurried over to the phone next to the computer glowing with the rotating SGC logo screensaver. Hello? Daniel? Oh, hey Jack. How's it going? How's the leg? Okay. How about you? Uh, great actually. I think I found a connection between a late Mesopotamian dynasty of 2600 BC and an artifact found in the Africa... Gee, that's great, Daniel. How about you meet me for a beer? One-word answers were all Jack needed from his teammate. Daniel stuttered at the invite. Uh, sure. Give me a half hour to clean up? Sure. Haggerty's downtown? Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. I'll see you there. As they said their goodbyes and hung up, Jack planned the afternoon out in his head. They could grab a beer and watch whatever game was on the overhead. Maybe grab a burger later on. He made his way to the door and felt relieved Daniel was too distracted to play Mother Hen and lecture him about going out. He grabbed his olive-colored barn coat from the group of jackets hanging next to the door and looked down to see the cane he was supposed to have been using all this time. He paused as he went over his options. He could lean against walls while he was at home alone, but out in public? He better bring it along. Walking down the porch steps to his truck out front, he caught the eye of his neighbor Steve, who was dragging his trash cans to the curb for tomorrow's pickup. They exchanged a smile and a wave, as Jack prayed he wouldn't run over to ask about his leg. Quick as he could, the colonel climbed into the driver's seat and made his way down the road. Within minutes, he was pulling his black truck into Haggerty's parking lot. The roads were pretty clear, and despite the leg brace, Jack had little issue driving. He recalled it wasn't his first, let alone worst, injury, so he wouldn't complain. It was a warm early fall day, so the door to the bar was left open to welcome passers-by. As O'Neill entered, his eyes adjusted to the darker lighting, and he noticed a few of the patrons glance over and acknowledge him leaning on his cane. He then caught the eye of the large bartender and owner, Jim Haggerty, or Tiny as he was known, was an ex-Marine who had a respect for military men and took to Jack right away, a few years ago when Jack came in for a beer. Upon making eye contact, Tiny nodded towards the empty high top in the back corner. Jack returned the nod with a smirk to say he understood and appreciated the silent instruction. 
He made his way through the customers, filling in the random seats. After a few minutes of silence and noticing the Sunday football coverage on the screen above him, the huge shaggy-faced figure of a man in his early 60s approached. How you doing, Jack? Doing all right, Tiny. How about you? Living the dream, Jack. Living the dream. Beer? Jack nodded, appreciating the gruff man's dry humor. Uh, yeah, two of the usual, please. I've got a buddy coming. Tiny nodded and made his way back to the bar as Jack took in his surroundings. He had his back to the wall, scanned the room and the open door looking for Daniel or anyone else he may recognize. The walls were covered in the usual bar decor that made no sense being collected anywhere else. The wheel from a ship and snowshoes that hung on the wall blended in among random old-timey drink ads and pictures of old clientele through the years since the bar opened. Some of Tiny himself and his old fatigues among his fellow soldiers. Within a few minutes, the burly man came back with two bottles on a tray and placed the napkin down first. Your friend. Not the one who gave you that, is it? He flashed a glance towards the leg brace. The thought made both men smirk. Uh, no. I wouldn't be buying him a beer, that's for sure. Just then, the familiar silhouette came through the doorway. Ah, speak of the devil. Jack flagged his teammate down, who was dressed in his casual best of jean jacket and khakis. Hey, Jack. Daniel said as he climbed onto the bar stool and looked down at the beer waiting for him. Daniel, this is Tiny. He owns the place. Both men smiled and nodded a greeting. Nice to meet you. Let me know if you need anything else. The bar owner said as he left them to their drinks. After a few minutes of awkward silence, Daniel decided to start the conversation. So, what's going on, Jack? You okay? Jack was looking up at the game before realizing Daniel was talking to him. What? Oh, yeah, I just couldn't sit in that house anymore. I needed to do something. Figured we could hang out. You know, it's been a while since we did this thing without anyone shooting at us. Daniel grimaced at the truth of his words and took a swig of his beer. How's the leg? Uh, getting there. They both turned their attention to the TV over the bar and enjoyed the comfortable silence. Once in a while they would grunt at a close call or a hard tackle. Daniel wasn't into sports in the least, but he enjoyed the romantic quality and camaraderie with others. Even if he didn't care who won, he could mirror Jack's feelings towards one team or another and follow along. They were at a great place in their relationship. They should be after all they went through the last couple years. Many close calls and assumed deaths of one another lowered any walls that were once built. Being a shy nerd growing up, the archaeologist never had any friends. He was happy to keep his head in his books and avoid the mocking from fellow classmates anyway. 
Imagine his surprise when Jack O'Neill, who had to be the school jock, befriended him. It may not have been an easy start, but look at them now. Sharing a beer in a sports bar on a Sunday afternoon. Daniel smiled to himself and quietly gave thanks to Jack, who was too distracted by the game across the room. A few moments later, Daniel noticed a middle-aged man wearing an aviator jacket and what he assumed was a World War II pilot's cap hurry through the doors and quickly take a seat at the bar. He seemed nervous by the way he kept looking over his shoulder. He had to admire his bravado to attempt a retro look in public. But who was he to judge? He went to planets that had cultures dressed in all sorts of ways that others may find... odd. He personally loved it. So much can be learned through dress... He wondered what this guy's story was. You hungry? Jack leaned towards his teammate. Oh, sure. Whatever you want. This place has great burgers. I'll get some menus. I, I mean, unless you want to go somewhere else. Daniel was shaking his head when he noticed the pilot get up from his seat and head towards their table. He had a big bushy mustache and a look on his face that made him look like a confused walrus. He approached with his jaw slack and his gaze fixed on Jack. Daniel got ready to hop off his stool when Jack finally noticed him. Suddenly the strange man threw his arms open in joy. Mac! What are you doing here? Jack stared silent for a moment, trying to understand what was happening. Uh, what? It's me! Jack Dalton? Your old compadre? Oh, don't tell me you hit your head again! Daniel figured he'd better step in. The colonel seemed more confused than normal. Uh, I think you may be mistaken. Before he could continue, the stranger sprung back. Oh, no. I know my good buddy anywhere. Although the haircut threw me a bit. What'd you do, lose a bet? Jack was getting flustered. Uh, uh Daniel? Uh, this is Colonel Jack O'Neill of the United States Air Force. The pilot chuckled in response, despite the lack of levity from the other two. <laughs> Come on! Who put you up to this? What's the gag? Jack reached into his back pocket and flashed his license and Air Force ID. He thought it may end this disruption. Dalton stared at it for a moment and smiled. Whoa! You really went all out! Listen, I know you may want to get me back for all the jokes I pulled, but I... You think I'm MacGyver. I'm not. Dalton gave him a look as if he was absurd. I'm his brother. The pilot confidently shook his head. Nope. I've known my pal since we were kids. He's an only child. I was there. What's your name? As he turned his attention to Daniel, Jack took his cell phone out and started to dial. 
Within a few seconds, the line connected. Hello? Mac, it's Jack. Sorry to bother you. Hey, no problem, Jack. How's the leg? Better than the pain I'm dealing with now. Do you know a Jack Dalton? Oh, no. Yeah. Daniel and I ran into him in this bar, and he thinks I'm you. Says I'm trying to get him back for all the stuff he did to you. Yeah. Look, he's a good guy, but... Much? Yeah. Put me on speakerphone. Please. Alright. Hang on. Jack held the phone palm up in the middle of the table and looked at Dalton as he pressed the speaker button. Hey. Listen. Go ahead. Jack. It's Mac. Mac! Is that really you? Yes, Jack. They're telling the truth. It's a long story, but... Long story short... We didn't know about each other until recently. Whoa! I should have known when I saw the haircut, huh? Yes, Jack. Now be a good boy and leave them alone. I'll talk to you later. Are you kidding? I've got to get to know these guys. Buy them a beer. Jack and Daniel glanced at each other, bracing themselves for a long night. Don't be a pest. Oh, and Jack? Yeah? Yeah. The two responded at the same time. Uh, brother Jack, not friend Jack. O'Neill leaned in. Yes? Make sure Dalton doesn't talk Daniel into one of his get-rich-quick schemes. You'll know he's up to something when his eye starts twitching. The pilot's face sank. Mac, you wound me. Uh-huh. Behave, Jack. All right, I'll talk to you later. And thanks. O'Neill said, wrapping up the call. No problem. Bye. And with that, MacGyver hung up. A beat or two passed before the energetic pilot spoke up. So... Daniel tells me you're a fellow pilot, huh? He stared at the colonel like a little kid wanting to hear stories. Jack had just taken a tilt of his bottle. Uh, yeah. Career military. Air Force. What branch did you serve in? Gesturing towards the cap on the top of Dalton's head. Once he realized what he was referring to, his burly mustache curved with pride. Oh, this? No. This was my dad's. I'm what you might call an independent contractor. Daniel leaned in as O'Neill's BS radar started to go off. Is that what brings you into town? Daniel's naivete seemed to be at the forefront. Exactly. You might say I'm in the import-export business. I have a small independent charter business and just dropped off some cargo for a very important client. 
Daniel couldn't help himself. Do you ever charter private parties? I was thinking about making a trip to a dig in Peru. Daniel? Jack tried to cut him off, but Dalton's eyes grew big. Are you kidding? I was just in Peru last week. His twitching eyes grew like a fisherman with a tug on his line. Tell you what, how about I grab us a few beers, and I'll tell you about the time MacGyver and I flew to Central America in search of the lost dagger of the Emperor Taigu. Before waiting for an answer, he gleefully turned on his heels and headed towards the bar. Daniel's face wrinkled in confusion. Uh, Tegu was the 13th century emperor in China, not Central America. Daniel, he's lying. Don't encourage him. Jack's curiosity about one of his brother's friends was starting to erode from the amount of gibberish Dalton was exuding. It's hard to believe Mac would voluntarily hang out with this guy, the archaeologist said as he wiped the sweat from his bottle. I doubt he's given much choice when Jack's in town. O'Neill smirked before noticing two large menacing figures enter the bar and make a beeline for Dalton. He, of course, was oblivious as he chatted up the waitress taking his order from the bar. Daniel followed Jack's glance to see what was happening. As the two intimidating men closed in, Dalton took notice and immediately tried to turn on the charm. It didn't work. Both men, dressed like rejects from the Godfather, started backing the pilot towards the door. Over the shoulders of both greasy men, O'Neill made eye contact with their scared new friend. Suddenly, one of the brutes shoved Dalton to the sidewalk through the open door. Uh, Jack. A shocked Daniel started to slide from his seat. Jack followed, grabbing his cane. Yeah, I see it. Nothing else needed to be said between them. They didn't have a choice. Quickly, they hurried through the bar to get to the outside, before Dalton was left as a puddle. One of the large masses was winding up his arm to strike as Jack caught him. Hi, fellas. Problem? Jack looked over the three-piece suit both men wore and determined that they were carrying. The slight bulge under their arms gave it away. Nice suit. Daniel said, trying to lighten the tension of the moment. Dalton took the moment to pick his hat and himself off the ground. Jack leaned on his cane, but directed his question to the meek pilot. Dalton, what's going on? Just a slight misunderstanding between these gentlemen and myself. Nothing to worry about. One of them turned his angry attention back to him. You better worry if you think Mr. Capuzzo's paying you for that broken shipment you delivered. The rest of the men turned towards Dalton and waited. I... I guarantee a smooth ride with all of my deliveries. More or less. It must have happened before they were loaded on the plane. More or less? Jack was starting to side with his bullies. Daniel stepped forward. Uh, excuse me. Can I ask what was being shipped? One of the goons reached into the inside of his sports coat as Jack braced himself. Luckily, it was only a folded piece of paper. Exasperated, the large man read from a checklist. One vase, 
from the Ming Dynasty. One serving bowl. One glass second century. Do you have them? Nearby, I mean? They looked at Daniel. Why? What do you care? Well, I'm an archaeologist. He let his words linger in the air while the two thugs looked to each other for guidance. After a few awkward moments, O'Neill tried to move them along. So... Yeah, okay. It's in the van, the taller crony said as he gestured to the parking lot. As they started away from the front door, Jack caught Tiny at the door with the sawed-off shotgun in his hands. He was ready to help the colonel and confront the two troublemakers, but O'Neill suddenly held up a hand to hold him off. No need for a showdown in the city streets if unnecessary. Jack looked back at Mac's friend as if to warn him that their situation better not get worse. As one thug opened up the back of the van, the other stood behind Daniel and the two Jacks. Daniel took notice as he approached the opening crate inside. As he reached inside to grab one of the broken pieces, he wanted to learn more. Where did your boss get these? Uh, a collector in Beijing by the name of uh, Hayato, the one said referencing the item sheet again. Daniel held two broken pieces together before sharing his thought. Well, I hope you kept the receipt. All looked confused. What? He turned to show everyone. It's a fake. See? You can tell by the cross-hatching. Plus, because this one broke, you can see the grainwork texture. The man standing in the back quickly got on his cell phone. Jack assumed it was whoever their head gangster was. Daniel took the moment to gently place the fake antiques back in their insulated crate. All right, came the voice as the phone was closed and put back into his blazer. Boss says he'll take care of it with Hayato. What about Dalton? Asked his partner, giving the nervous pilot a dismissive glance. Boss says you can let him go. Whew! Dalton's shoulders slumped in relief. After he returns half of what he paid, Jack and Daniel could see the blood drain from Dalton's face. What? No! You can't do that! That... That will be fine. Thank you. Jack jumped in trying to stop his new friend by placing a hand on his shoulder and giving him a look to say, Shut up, you idiot. Boss said you can keep some because you helped us out. Jack and Daniel looked at one another before Daniel awkwardly folded his arms and shrugged. You're welcome? With that, the two men quickly and without another word climbed into their vehicle and pulled away, leaving the three men standing in the parking lot. Once out of sight, the two SG members took a sigh of relief, only to have it short-lived. Whoa! Are we a team or what? We? Daniel turned towards the excitable pilot in confusion. Yeah! The three of us? Those guys never stood a chance! What? You, you just stood there! We... Daniel... 
let it go. Jack tried to help his friend from having an aneurysm as they started back towards the bar. So, buy you guys that beer? Jack can see Dalton was going to cling to them for the rest of the night if he didn't make a clean break. He used his arm to stop Daniel from following their pest. Uh, actually, we're gonna get going. We haven't eaten yet, and I can eat. Do you mind driving? Hey, do you know about Sloppy Pete's? Best burgers in town. They got this burger there that's so big, you can dine on a week for it. And I'll tell you, the waitresses aren't too bad either. You know, you go for the burgers, but you stay for the shakes, right? <laughs> anyway, while we go, let me tell you about... As Dalton put his arms around them, we were on the they were redirected back towards their vehicles. Nasty guy. Anyway, Jack a shared a pleading glance with Daniel, who could only return the look of helplessness. They were in for a long night. Next time, he promised, he was staying home. The MacGyver SG-1 audio series is written, performed, and edited by Mac Jackson. Theme song by Brian Brzezowski. Find us on the Forever Adventure Network. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon under Mac Jackson. Reviews can be left on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Forever Adventure Network. Join today. This show is dedicated to Richard Dean Anderson and everyone that's part of the MacGyver and Stargate families. Thanks for joining the adventure. The Forever Adventure Network. Welcome to the adventure. Hi, everybody. If you're looking for the best in podcasts, audio series, and music, please check out the Forever Adventure Network. We have podcasts such as the Never Gets Old podcast. We have audio series such as the MacGyver SG-1 audio series and music by Harmony Constant, as well as blogs, comics, and more. Please check us out at the Forever Adventure Network. And as always, thanks for joining the adventure. The Forever Adventure Network. Welcome to the adventure.